Welcome to the Live Greater View, a financial planning podcast produced by VLP Financial Advisors that discusses life, money, and perspective. We help clients live their best life at every stage through our VLP Live Greater partnership process. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome to the third episode of the Live Greater View. Rose, it's hard to believe that we're already on our third podcast. We've had a lot of fun with the first two so far, gotten some great feedback from clients and partners in the industry. So excited to go into our third episode today. Yeah, it's been great. Uh, looking forward to it. We've got, got some things to improve on. So we're excited to work on that and see where it goes. Absolutely. So the topic for today's episode is retirement plan considerations from the participant's point of view. Um, we think that we bring a really unique perspective to the table here. We've worked with a number of different companies. We have about 25 different corporate 401k clients um, from all the way down to a, a firm with a couple of people up to companies who have over a thousand different employees, plans of different sizes and industries, um, you know, as small as a million dollars up to over a hundred million dollars. And we have, you know, auto dealerships as clients. We have law offices, doctors, dentists. We really see it all. So we thought that this would be a great thing for us to talk about in a place where we can add a lot of value. Yeah, absolutely. We've seen, obviously, a lot of variation across the plan size, plan development, how it's designed. So I think it's a it's a great start to talk about, you know, what are some of the things you need to consider from that perspective? Yep. And one of the things that has jumped out at me is it doesn't matter the industry, um, you know, how much somebody makes as far as compensation, uh, where they're at really as far as the stage in life. A lot of these questions tend to be common throughout all of that. Um, so we're hoping today that some of the things that we can cover can really um, discuss some of the more common questions and just give a unique perspective on, on our thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. And and because we're, we live in a society where there's not a lot of pensions anymore. Yep. The 401k plan, um, 403b, whatever your qualified plan is through work, really becomes center stage and, and your main resource for doing that. Yep, great. And just to get us started, you know, I thought that it would be the right place to start foundationally and just talk about the importance in general of using an employer-sponsored plan. Um, so let's just get your general thoughts just to kick us off. Yeah, and, and kind of what I stated earlier is it's the main savings um, for retirement that most you're gonna most people are gonna use. There's Social Security, but you know there's lots of concerns about what will Social Security look like if you're younger when we get there. Um, you know those who are closer to the Social Security age, you, you know what it's gonna look like. You you can go in, you can log in and see the numbers, but it is the main drivers of savings for retirement. And we know under Secure Act 2.0 that it's going to be um, companies that have a 401k are going to have to go to mandatory auto enrollment. Mm -hmm. Almost all of our plans have that. So what's that mean is if you're a participant in a 401k plan, you will be auto enrolled at your eligibility date. Um, and what that percentage will be will be based on each plan. But that's going to be a, you know, one of the factors and things we're going to see. The other thing about the 401k plans is really the efficiency. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I always use the analogy when we're doing education is if you have $100 in your pocket on Friday, you'll spend $100 likely right. if you go out. Um, if you have 50, same thing. The nice thing about the 401k is you don't have to make that decision to push a button to put it in your savings account, send it to your advisor to invest. It comes out automatically of your paycheck before we see it, before we get to spend it. Um, and also, the nice thing about it is, depending on how you're contributing, it could be pre-tax or after-tax. 
Right. And to go along with the efficiency aspect, just the consistency of actually putting money away, usually every two weeks, we know that over time, the environment with the market's going to change. We'll have bull markets, bear markets, everything in between. Um, periods of uncertainty, you continue to average into the market. So that combination of efficiency and consistency, you fast forward and let you know the power of compounding do its thing. That's where you can get a really sizable balance um, within a plan. Yeah. And that's one of the things we see a lot with them. You know, especially when people are auto enrolled, you log in and they go, wow, I didn't know I had that much money um, because it is the beauty of that automatic going in out of sight, out of mind. And when the market's down, you, we get the question, hey, should I keep contributing? And the question is, don't you like things on sale? Yeah. So, you know, buy down. Um, so, again, it's a great opportunity to get that automated savings kind of out of sight, out of mind and start and start early. You know, and mm-hmm. one of the things you know we talk about all the time is as soon as you're eligible, get in there, um, get that money put away because it's not the la- the first double that matters. It's the last double. Right. And that is something, um, you know, I can't tell you how much we emphasize that when we meet with new participants, you know, they oftentimes find themselves in a new role or a new company. They're bombarded with just stuff to really get them up to speed with what they're doing on a day-to-day basis. And we say, Hey, this work stuff, it's obviously very important, but this is also important. Please put some of that stuff on hold for, you know, a couple of minutes and take care of enrolling in the plan because it's one of those things. If you don't do it initially when you're onboarding, uh, and you let it fall between the cracks, it will take you know a little bit of work to go back, find the the enrollment materials, find the website, all of those certain things. So you know obviously, please, when the time comes and you start in a new role, take the time to to enroll and go through with everything. Yeah, because you know one of the things to your point is that's my, that might be one of the biggest decisions other than your health care plan right. and such that you're gonna make is how much am I contributing and and because long run, that's gonna be a basket of money that you'll be able to retire with. yep, yeah. All right, great. So let's um, let's talk and move over to, to record keepers. So Chris, why don't you explain a little bit what a record keeper is and, and what role they play? Sure. So just to unpack, you know, in general, record keepers are essentially the company that holds the 401k plan. So if you think about the um, company that actually holds the investments, this is going to be the website that you go to to actually enroll in the plan. Uh, some of the companies nowadays have a mobile app, which makes everything convenient. This is going to be, you know, when you say, hey, where is our 401k plan held? This is going to be that company. Um, some of the more popular ones, you know, today, Fidelity is a big player in the space, Ascensus, um, Empower, Vanguard. We work with all of them. There are some nuances from the plan administration side that make them different uh, from company to company. But from the participants' point of view, a lot of them, for the most part, are the same outside of some of the, the uh, small differences in the website and the apps. Yeah. And the nice thing, you know, technology and the advancements is a lot of this can all be done online now. Right. I remember back in the day, you know, 10 years ago, we were carrying around forms to sign up for your 401k and put your beneficiaries in. And, you know, who is my beneficiary? I have to go check with HR. So, again, you know, it's been a lot of advancements and kind of what you alluded to. You're going to have different nuances. And if you worked multiple places and you know, you have multiple 401k plans out there, you'll, you'll know, mm-hmm. um, Hey, you know, I, I signed into my ADP account. It's great. It's all integrated, uh, you know, or my fidelity or, or what have you. And so we'll talk a little bit later about, you know, making sure you don't have a big attic full of all these 401k plans yeah. out there just yeah. sitting, but we'll talk about that one. Yep. And, you know, as it relates to record keepers, um, they, you know, obviously don't drive the actual investments within your 401k or another retirement plan. So sometimes we'll, ha- you know, hear participants refer to 
a certain company and say, hey, this one's doing better than another, when in actuality, it's not the company as a record keeper that determines the performance. It's what you actually hold within the plan. So just two you know, very important things to distinguish there. Yeah, absolutely. Great. And, you know, uh, something else that I thought would be good for us to just cover um, the basics on is just the actual uh, piece of determining your contribution rate. This is something that we uh, see come up over and over. It doesn't matter if somebody is just starting out in their career or even somebody that's closer to retirement. This is a common question that we get. So let's talk about um, just best practices for determining a contribution rate and just your thoughts on that. Yeah, so one of the first things goes back to something you mentioned earlier is, you know, pay attention to the details and and the information you're going to get about the 401k plan. And how many times we've seen people who are contributing and don't know what the match is. Mm -hmm. And some plans don't have a company match that most do. But if you do have a company match, and it's 6% or 50% of the first six, 25 or 100% if you're lucky enough, find out what it is and contribute at least up to the match. Right. Uh, because you know, one of the things we always talk about is don't leave that free money on the table. Um, I, I'll common, commonly say when I'm out is if um, you're putting in 4% and you're not getting the full match up to 6 you know that 2% match that you're missing, whether it's you know, 1%, 50% of it or, or 100% is the company doesn't come the end of the year and go, hey, we noticed you didn't contribute or you didn't max out. Yeah. Here's a bonus. Yep. So you know, that's one of the big things. Um, so make sure you know what the match is, how much, and try to get there. If you can't get there right away, you know, we always say start and, you know, do, do an increase until you get there each year. As you get a pay increase, back to the conversation of, hey, um, it's easier to learn to live without it than to adjust later. So you get a pay increase, increase at 1% um, to get there. If you look at all of the, and part of it goes also too about what you're going to contribute when you start making 401k contributions mm. and, and your age could impact that, right? Sure. You know, if you're 50 and you have no savings prior, well, you're probably a little behind on the curve you know, on the eight ball. So we probably need to think about a higher percentage rate. When you're younger, you know, you've got all that time and the compound interesting, but you know, most uh, studies you're gonna see out there is the goal is to get to 10 to 15%. Again, based on your age, if you're younger, 10% is going to be great. Work up to that 15. If you're older, maybe a little bit higher than 15%. Right. And something that we uh, often emphasize is just flexibility with that rate. Um, most plans nowadays allow you to change that rate on an ongoing basis. So if you think that there's a chance that, hey, I can bump this up by a couple of percent or so, um, we say go for it. You know, the worst case scenario, you bump it up you you know get your next couple of paychecks they're smaller just go back in and, and decrease your deferral um, more often than not whatever you elect is going to be something that you stick with for the long term so we would just um, encourage you to think about you know the long term and obviously emphasize the flexibility aspect of the deferral rate to the plan um, something that i also thought would be good for us to cover is just the fact that within 401k plans the contribution limits are so much higher than what we have for IRAs. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're under age 50, you can do up to $22,500 a year in the 401k versus 6,500 in an IRA. So massive difference, you know, difference of $16,000 oh, yeah. more that you can do there. And we won't get into it, but there's age limits on the IRA contribution. So no age, or not sorry, age limits. There's income limits on the IRA side where not on the 401k, it doesn't matter. Right. Um, and if you're over age 50, well, the government says, go ahead, you can catch up. Yeah. Um, 
you can do up to $30,000 in the 401k versus just 7,500 in the IRA. So again, you know, be aware of the ability of how much more you can put away. So again, if you're behind, it's even more important in the 401k because you get that additional um, contribution amount. Yep. And when you refer to the catch-up amount, so again, for 401k plans in 2023, it's $7,500. Uh, that is in addition to the $22,500 standard limit. Um, that applies to anyone who turns age 50 or older in the calendar year. Yep. Now, I'll run into you know participants and, and look at um, their situation and talk about the catch-up. And sometimes their birthday will be in the fall or later on in the year. For example, you can run into somebody that has a birthday in December and they say, well, you know, this year I'm turning 50 in December. Next year, I'm going to start, you know, with my catch-up contributions. And in reality, the rule states that as long as you turn 50 within that calendar year, you're entitled to that catch-up. So something that um, I think it's lost in translation. Yeah, absolutely. Great point. Uh, so let's talk about pre-tax versus Roth. Mm -hmm. um, why don't you kind of unpack what the difference is and the importance of kind of figuring out what's best for you. Yeah, so pre-tax, that is really um, gonna be the foundational um, basic part of a 401k plan of most plans, uh, you know, in in what we see in the marketplace. And that is essentially where you get to deduct your contribution to the 401k plan from your income taxes. Um, that money is deposited into your 401k and can grow essentially uh, compound over time. And then when you withdraw that money, that's where you have to pay the income taxes. Um, whereas if you were to contribute instead of on a pre-tax basis, on a Roth basis, you would voluntarily pay the taxes in today's dollars at your current income tax rate, let the money compound, and then when you withdraw that money, that's when it's tax-free. Yeah. Um, I do think that you know it, it is interesting to see a lot more plans uh, adopting the Roth uh, contribution option, but I, I think that in each situation, it's definitely worth a conversation to see what makes sense for the individual. I don't necessarily think there's a right or a wrong answer uh, to either one. Because really what you're talking about when you're deciding between traditional 401k pre-tax versus Roth is tax arbitrage, right? Right, right? Do I pay the tax now? Do I think I'll be in a lower tax bracket or a higher? Or sometimes the perspective is, well, if I just pay the tax now, all of the 401k money is mine. I don't a third of it I don't owe to the government mm -hmm. at some point, yeah. right? Yeah. And you know, we won't get into it today, but uh, you know, the other considerations are, you know, how does that translate if there's at your passing? What does that mean for your mm -hmm. heirs on the pre-tax versus Roth? But uh, a great, you know, something that you should certainly look at your situation and and talk to your plan provider advisor and see if it makes sense for you yeah especially because it's a lot of the answer to that is going to be determined by where, where you are in your career you know how old you are where you think your earnings trajectory is going to go so a lot to unpack for what makes uh, the most sense in that situation yeah so let's talk about selecting investments that's a big one um a lot of target date funds and you know we'll go over kind of what those are what they mean um but really the foundation of you're putting money in okay you've done the first step you, you got money going in you're getting the match now you got to select investments yeah so you know just to level set the table each plan is going to have between 20 to 25 different investment options um and that's going to cover all parts of both the stock market here domestically um, international markets as well as the bond market. Um, so really you're, you're set to pick from that menu. 
And even though we run into participants that spend a lot of time really trying to figure out, well, what is the best option? What's the best fund? What's the best sector? Uh, we find that that tends to be a lot of time that's wasted. And really, asset allocation and your contribution rate is going to be the most important thing to determining what your ultimate balance is at the end of the day. Yeah. In some plans, you know, the old thrift savings plan, and you know, it's changed a lot in the last couple of years, but it used to have like five investments yep. and then lifestyle. So some plans will have even less. Uh, and they say the average participant, once you get over about 20, 25, they kind of freeze, right? Mm -hmm. Because it, you get paralyzed by too many options. Yep. Right. And, you know, when we think about, you know, the other common question that we get, well, how, how often should I be looking at this? How often should I rebalance? You know, we usually say, you know, one to two times per year is plenty, uh, especially if you're somebody that's younger and you're further away from retirement. There really shouldn't be a lot of maintenance that you need to do on the investment side b besides just an annual, you know, checkup, so to say, to make sure that your allocation is still correct. Um, and that the money is continuing to compound over time. So that leads into a great, if your plan has um, advisors who do education, mm -hmm. that's a great time to check in, right? Because things will change. We tell clients all the time, you know, participants all the time, hey, you're, we're all gonna get older, mm -hmm. you know, things are gonna change in life. So just doing that check-in, if you have the access to those advisors on the plan, you know, get to know them, you have them look at your specific situation. So let's talk about, so asset allocation, you talked about that. So if you pick your own, you know, some plans, I always say there's three options really, right? You can pick your own. Some plans have model portfolios mm -hmm. where there might be an aggressive growth balance, various types of options you can choose from. It's a static set, you know, 80, 20, 80% equity, those types of things. Mm -hmm. And then there's the target date. And the target date has really become the main leader of uh, participant balances in, in the last several years and, and you want to talk about why and and kind of what you're going to get in that yeah so a target date portfolio essentially this is a portfolio that backs into the date that they think that that particular participant is going to retire so for example you could have somebody that just started out in the workforce and the target date portfolio would be for the year 2060. Um, so the branding would be really the first part of it so blackrock vanguard fidelity um, a lot of the big companies american funds have their own version of the target date and then it would be followed by that year so in that example um, a target date for the year 2060 is really created for somebody that has another four decades of work long in front time. of a long, <laughs> long time <laughs> so um, the further you are out in that example 2060 the more stocks that you're going to hold um, the closer that you are let's say the target date for 2030 that's going to be more of a balanced mix between stocks and bonds the important thing to think about as it relates to target dates, it's just like you alluded to, Rose, is that they actually change the allocation for you. Mm -hmm. um, so that is a great option for a lot of participants if they say, hey, you know what, I don't really want to spend a lot of time in the investments. I know I need to hit this savings number. I just want another firm to take care of it for me. Um, that would be a good option in that, that example. Yeah. And that, we have that conversation a lot with participants saying, Hey, if you're not, if you don't have the time or interest to look at this, I always use the analogy of getting my oil changed, right? Yep. It's important if I don't change my oil, the you know, something's going to go yep. bad and it's going to cost me a lot of money. Well, same kind of thing. If you don't have the time or the interest to think about what goes into that asset allocation and, and what you should be doing, this is a great option. And, you know, one of the things I talked about, or we mentioned is most of these plans have these automatic enrollment and then they have what's called a qualified, um, 
investment option. And that's typically the QDIA is typically the target date fund. Yep. And, you know, as it relates to some of the fund families, there are um, some subtle differences. Some of them are based on active funds. Some of them are based on passive funds. We do think that it's worth um, having a discussion with your advisor about the series in your plan. If you do have exposure to a target date fund, just so you know really what you own. Um, the glide path is what it's referred to essentially um, is something that can change over time. And that essentially is how much you hold in stocks versus how much you hold in bonds. And some of these series are designed to really get you to retirement where that year that's um, represented there is something where they say, hey, you know what, after this year, you should really uh, take this money and go and invest and do something else with it because it's really made to get to that point yeah. um, and gets very conservative. And then there's other series that are supposed to glide you through that retirement date where the allocation that's actually maintained is going to have a lot more stocks and be a lot more aggressive and really modeled for somebody that can actually hold that through retirement, as the name says. So just a couple of nuances around target dates. Yeah. And, and the other thing is exactly what you mentioned and what age they consider retirement, yeah. because a lot a lot of them are 65, right? Mm -hmm. and, and as it gets to 65, if you're still working, again, maybe you started late. These are all things you need to think through. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about later about how these typically aren't the best positions to hold in um, distribution phase. Right. Yeah. So. And, and, you know, the next thing that I thought would be good for us to cover, you know, like we had mentioned from the start, um, we meet with a lot of people throughout the year. We have a lot of experience in actually going through, you know, a lot of the parts of different plans. One of the things that consistently comes up is just the importance of updating beneficiaries on 401k accounts. Oh, the old, the old beneficiary. Yeah. I mean, we spend a lot of time chasing people about beneficiaries if, yeah, at the plans and at the sponsors. And this one, especially you kind of talked about earlier is a lot of this now is all online. Mm -hmm. So no one from payroll and HR is chasing you with a form these days. And you don't fill out that form when you sign up at, for all your benefits. Yeah. This is all done online. But the really the, the big importance about beneficiaries is understanding that this supersedes anything you've done in a will. Mm -hmm. um, if you've created a trust, doesn't matter. Right. Whether, whether it's um, your 401k, insurance, anytime you designate a beneficiary, that is going to be outside of probate, going to go directly. So some of the common um, issues we see is somebody gets married, they don't change their beneficiary, somebody gets divorced, then gets remarried. That one's always been fun. Um, you know, you're maybe you have additional kids. So it's really important to review that beneficiary designation, you know, probably at least annually. You know, when you go in to deed or do, take a look, check on your um, asset allocation, your contribution rate, take a peek. Right, it can't hurt. Yeah. And um, you know, a couple of other thoughts around beneficiaries and points to emphasize. So your beneficiaries for other benefits at work, whether it's, uh, you know, more often than not health insurance benefits, any sort of life insurance benefit that's offered through your employer, anything like that does not come over to the 401k yep. plan. So nine times out of 10, we'll sit down with the participant, log in, they won't have any beneficiaries. And so I thought I did that when I signed up or when I, you know, uh, enrolled in, in, you know, some of the other benefits for the company. And in actuality, it is something that you have to separately take the time um, and take care of that. That's the first point. And the other thing that uh, right behind that, that we see come up a lot is just the fact that participants think that beneficiaries transfer between record keepers. So for example, let's say that you worked at a company and the plan was held at Empower. Um, you had you know a five-year career there and then you move and go to another company and now that plan is held at Fidelity. 
And you'll log into Fidelity and you'll think, well, I put my beneficiaries on while they're at Empower, they automatically come over. And just to emphasize, they do not. That's correct. Yeah. So that's something, again, a key, always good practice to kind of just take a look. Um, some of the software, especially um, some of the plan sponsors, you know, they put that up at the top. Mm -hmm. You need beneficiaries. So don't ignore that warning because that means there's nothing in there. But, you know, I just think it's a best practice. Review that annually um, as you're looking at your accounts, um, checking to see, hey, do I increase my contributions and those types of things. Great. And, you know, when we have those annual meetings, you know, we obviously will log in with participants. We'll look at their allocation. We'll talk about their situation from that point. And we just think that it's so important to emphasize that whatever um, allocation and savings rate and all those things that you have in your 401k plan, that has to integrate with your overall retirement plan. Yeah, and that's key. Most most people, their biggest asset and biggest savings vehicle is their 401k plan. Um, especially if you work at a company with a, you know, with a match, you, that number can get pretty big. And as we talked about, it's not the first double, it's not the second, it's the last double yeah. that matters. And um, so again, it's really important to make sure that when you're looking at your financial plan overall, you know, how does this factor in? Because there's things to consider if you're traditional versus Roth contributions and balances. And we know that company matching is always um, going to be pre-tax money that you're going to pay tax on later. Mm. That has implications in your overall plan for tax planning, um, longevity, estate planning. If you know if you're looking to, to leave a legacy and those types of things. Right, and it all it all goes together. And and in situations where um, participants have both retirement accounts, obviously with their employer, and then money that's outside of their retirement plan, either in an IRA or in some situations non-retirement accounts. One of the more common questions that we get is, hey, when I retire, what should I tap into first? And obviously, like a lot of things in our industry, the answer is it depends. Um, it's going to depend on, you know, a lot of the, the other things that we, we brought up. Um, and, you know, as it relates to 401k plans, I know that we talked about asset allocation and investments. Um, let's talk about really the differences between the accumulation phase and using the plan for that versus the distribution phase. So 401ks are really built for the accumulation mm -hmm. phase, right? Yep. You, it, they make it easy. It's a payroll deduction. It's set it automatic. It goes out for you, right? And that's the beauty of the 401k, especially when we get to these target date funds. Mm -hmm. They're built to put money in, consistently invest, and grow over time. The accumulation, that's where you run into some issues. Yep. It's very different than working with advisor or if you have your own accounts that you're managing is – if you have multiple funds, let's say, and last year was an interesting year as far as the market in 2022. You had bonds down, you had equities, for the most part, growth was just beat up and, and value held up a little bit better. There were a couple glimmers of areas, yeah. just a couple. Yeah. We could probably count on our hand. But if you are inside the 401k and you're starting the distributions, one of the biggest drawbacks is you can't tell them where to take money from. Right. You can't turn your dividends and interest to pay to cash to cover distributions. You can't have, you can't say, just send me money out of my money market. Mm -hmm. And that becomes an issue because it's just like when you think on the accumulation phase, when things are down, you're buying things on sale. Well, when things are down, you're selling things that maybe it's like selling a house when the market's down yep. and you're going to get, you know, 20% less. Yep. So, you know, for the, that's the tough part. And, and 401k plans aren't built for you to be able to call up or someone's not sitting there going, oh, this is, this is what we should sell to raise your, your money. Right. Let's take, you know, from stocks versus bonds or, you know, having that, that conversation. And that gets back to, you know, in a market context, like you just, you know, talked about what did well last year and what didn't do well. Um, and obviously, um, we've had a good run in the market this year, but 
when we're talking about distribution strategy, that gets back to things that we can control versus things that we can't control. Um, choosing where we take you know money from the fund distributions is one of the few things within our industry that we can control um so just a really you know important point there yeah and that it could really impact the longevity of your funds and mm -hmm. your assets um if if again you know if you do planning with your advisor you'll see that you know a lot of times we'll run bad timing yeah. and starting in a year when the market's down and you sell across it could really have some major repercussions yeah. to your overall longevity and just based on history if we go back to the 1920s we can expect a drawdown of 20 percent or more about once every six years so if your retirement time horizon is 30 years you can plan on 30 you know or i'm sorry five material drawdowns um you know during your your retirement phase so it's not a matter of if it's it's a matter of when yep absolutely so great so a lot of stuff to unpack um you know for anyone listening you know if you're in a 401k plan not quite sure where to start maybe your plan doesn't have education and you just kind of want to reach out and, and get second thought we'd love to talk this is we do this you know as you talked about we have 25 different plans that we work on um and several smaller plans that uh, we do for individual business owners uh, and there's a lot more we won't get into that one because there's way more we can discuss about there yeah and you know i think that we covered you know again a lot of the more common questions that we we get on today's episode and you know as always if you found what we talked about to be valuable we just ask that you pass it along to friends and family whether it's our podcast or the other content that we distribute uh we would you know really appreciate it so with that being said rose thank you for your time today yours too and we'll uh, look forward to the next podcast thank you thanks Thank you for listening to this episode of the Live Great Review. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Spotify and recommend our podcast to family and friends. To learn more about VLP Financial Advisors, please check out our website at vlpfa.com. Thanks again. And now for our necessary disclosures. Securities and advisor services offered through Cetera Advisor Networks, LLC, member FINRA SIPC, a broker dealer and registered investment advisor. All investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal. There is no assurance that any investment strategy will be successful. The views stated in this podcast are not necessarily the opinion of Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned. Due to the volatility with the markets mentioned, opinions are subject to change without notice. Information is based on sources believed to be reliable. However, their accuracy or completeness cannot be guaranteed. Past performance does not guarantee future results.